It's real. It's real. You know the deal. You know the deal. Hi, it's Shante. And I'm Natalie. And welcome to What's the Deal, a podcast powered by the Norfus Firm. And at the Norfus Firm, we solve people problems. We work with employers all around the world on human resources and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Mm-hmm. We've been rocking today. This has been a great day. It's been Lots an amazing freaking day. And it's just going to get better. So yeah, excited. And it really is just going to yeah. get better. Yeah. So we we do a lot of work with organizational leaders, hence the reason for the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that I, I we realized we hadn't dug into enough is psychological safety. And not just of anyone but of organizational leaders. Yeah. When we've talked about psychological safety or creating trusted spaces, we're centering um, the employee, the employee mm-hmm. which is so important. I mean, clearly, right? It's how your business stays afloat is, it was, is with the folks that are not part of your C-suite or your senior your leadership teams. Correct. But what we see um, a lot is we run into a lot of leaders who are really uncomfortable in the space. And, and like I say, often we are very fortunate and lucky that we're not, re- we're not running into leaders that are like, we're, we don't want to do DEI. What we run into is saying, we don't really know how Yeah. and expressing a pretty big discomfort with getting it wrong and doing it wrong. Yeah. So we are super pumped to be joined by an expert in this space, um, Ben Delk. Uh, Ben is a global inclusion and human rights leader. uh, And currently, let me do it right, the global head of inclusive experiences uh, and technology at Amazon. Um, And Ben's career is illustrious. I'm going to be like you and Ben and use an SAT word because, (laughs) you know, I like big words too, and I know what some of them mean. Um, but has an incredible, has had an incredible career that crosses over these big household name companies and has done, um, some nonprofit work in the human rights space. So Ben, we are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Um, and before we hear from Ben, would it be us if we didn't have a little shared language? No, we have to always start with shared language because, I mean, otherwise, are we even having the real conversation, the same conversation? No. So let's make sure that we're on the same uh, foot here. So uh, we're talking about psychological safety. And and just to recap from the, really the perspective of how do we help leaders with their own psychological safety to be able to do this work well. Right. So what is psychological safety? Okay. According to the Harvard Business Review, psychological share- safety is... Um, a shared belief held by members of a team that it's okay to take risks, to express their ideas and concerns, to speak up with questions, and to admit mistakes, all without fear of negative consequences. And so this is really important because what do we hear in a lot of our work? That people are afraid to, are speak, afraid up. to speak up. Like they just don't want to deal with retaliation. They don't want to deal with, um, and it, retaliation anyway, it could be actually really from work assignment or from social retaliation. Like they just don't want to deal with that. They don't want to feel othered. They don't want to feel ostracized. And a lot of that comes from not feeling safe right. um, in, in a way that allows them to really show up authentically in the workspace. And so when we talk, this shows up a lot with the leaders that we work with to the point that you just made where it's, we want to do this work around DEI. We want to show up for it. We want to champion it. But we have a hard time with it because it, we, it it's scary. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to offend anyone. And so they don't want to get it wrong. So they, they, they shrink. They kind of, you know, lean away from it as opposed to leaning into it. So Ben, you know, first, 
just what are your thoughts around psychological safety for leaders? How do you how have you seen it show up or not show up or what are the supports of the need there? And then just how do we support them in, in, in increasing the level of psychological safety that they experience? Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you both. So happy to be here. I'm uh, really excited for this conversation. Um, and yeah, hopefully I can enlighten, share some of my my wealth of experience across um, the, the field. And, you know, much to the point that was made earlier and the topic of this conversation is I don't know everything. And in fact, there's so much that I don't know. And what we are trying to dive into is just really um, hone in on accepting that there there's not perfection in this space. We're going to continuously make mistakes. And I think the way that we can create psychological safety, both within our workplaces, uh, across the individuals, the team members, all the way to the leaders is accepting that and um, creating one thing that wasn't included in the, uh, the, the definition of psychological safety earlier was mention of the environment, forgiveness of mistakes, um, really ensuring that there isn't shame included. This is something that I see quite often, especially coming from people that are hurt. Uh, it's really hard to avoid that. It's certainly something that's understandable from a very human level, um, but sometimes there's this uh, excitement to sort of even change the power dynamic by inserting some shame because someone made a mistake and so you know that they are wrong and you are right. And I mention that because it's something that we should be thinking about as we are coaching leaders, not that this is about them. In fact, I think that's one of the main messages that I give to the leaders is as you are leading, especially on these topics, remember that it's not about you. And the more that you lean into your own discomfort, the more that the burden is being placed on the individuals who are facing barriers in the workplace. So that's sort of how I think about the broad environment of psychological safety ensuring that it's maintained both from the leadership level and the individuals um, and that forgiveness and is, is always offered and perfection is never expected. I, I love this idea of the premise, mm -hmm. right? If we're, if we're looking at and it, and it, it sort of a, a nice way of sort of the, the, the explaining what we're talking about when we say that leaders don't want to get it wrong is this idea of accepting that you don't know everything. Right. Yes. You know, we're right. big on saying that you don't have all the facts. You don't have all the information ever in any circumstance. You and just it's not don't. possible. It's impossible. Right. Literally. So we are all making decisions mm -hmm. with very limited information, typically, right. sometimes more limited than it, it needs to be. Right. So, like, I think that's why we push our leader so hard is get more information, get curious. But I think even before you get to all of that, you, you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. If you walk into right. that, that is sort of, that is sort of to me, a proxy for humility, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If we're humble enough yeah. to be able to say, I don't know at all. And I'm okay with that because I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow. It helps a lot. So Ben, what are some examples of things you've seen where you can tell that leaders are not psychologically safe? Like what are some of the things that some of the behaviors or scenarios that you've encountered there? I think so. Um, one of one way that I think about this environment, sort of the, the challenge that's faced here is um, really giving permission, like we just discussed, that you're not going to know everything. And let's say even the leading experts in the world on race, on gender, on sexual orientation, all that they know will still 
be differentiated or even nuanced in every individual conversation with the presence of people there, the makeup of diversity, even the mood within the room, the history. So even if you are, if it's possible to know every single thing, the intersections, the variables are infinite. So that's right. never the goal is to know it all. Um, I think in, in ways to help create that safety for both the leaders too, and in ways that empowers them to lead is, um, I mentioned this earlier, but avoiding any kind of, of shame, um, making sure that- I'm sorry, just to jump in, what do you mean by shame? Yeah. Like, what does shame look like? I think shame is is calling out a mistake, which is, is expected and, and needed, um, but doing so in a way that could mean um, degradation could mean even maybe a little bit insulting, um, isn't giving any space for learning and for growth. Now, as a caveat, this is a caution here when things are, are just not going well. Perhaps you have called something out, perhaps it continues to be an issue. Um, even now, I would I would say this is an opportunity for shame, but this is an opportunity to escalate. If this leader is just not supporting you in ways that you've expressed that you need to be supported, um, this is a very different conversation. Um, but if we are in the room, if a mistake is made, if it was earnest and um, a, a real attempt to engage, making sure that they are corrected and given an opportunity to improve or even correct themselves following. I think I'd like to also add, just elaborate on that, where it becomes more of a character flaw, as opposed to, to your point, where it was just a mistake. There was there was something that was missed. But the like shame the person's comes attribute, in. You're attributing yeah, the this person to like you're a bad person is attributing yeah. it to a character flaw within the person, as opposed to just a mistake happened. And and that that part, totally. I agree with you, Ben. In, in in the shaming, that really can break somebody down because then, then totally. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't want you know. And this is. This is dynamic. I mean, there aren't, this isn't just the burden being placed on the individuals. Um, there's very much an expectation that leaders should be pushing themselves to learn. And I think very much demonstrating that learning journey as time goes on. So when you are being really transparent about what you've learned, um, you are showing progress, you were asking more questions about experience, you are asking more questions about genders or how people identify these are signals that you are improving and this really builds that environment where you are more likely to be corrected people feel even safer correcting you there's often times where leaders haven't worked on this environment and so they miss all the opportunities to be corrected they're moving forward perhaps making mistakes maybe microaggressions and no one even feels safe enough to tell them and that's an issue on the leaders it's certainly not the individual's fault um, and i think that the transparency and the honesty from the start and continually maintained through demonstrating that you're working on things, talking about articles that you've read, asking sensitive and compassionate questions in, in front of your employees, that will really, really help you and the team when the mistake comes up, because it will, and there's going to be more of a trust in that environment, which helps you correct yourself and improve uh, for the betterment of the team and psychological safety being maintained long-term. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you because what when you, as you were speaking, what came up for me was this this kind of like psychological 
um, safety, like, or not feeling safe swirl that's happening where it's like the employees aren't feeling psychologically safe. The leader isn't feeling psychologically safe. And it's just this, this really awkward dance that's happening where no one is really speaking what needs to be spoken. Like people aren't using the words in the way that we they need that to use their the words. Right. How do you break through? Like how, what needs to happen in order to lay the groundwork for, and I know a lot of this is, is built on trust, but even in that space where you can't even have the psychological safety without the trust, how do you start to establish the trust so that people can start to feel safe to start to, to discharge some of that really weird energy that shows up when neither party feels safe? Yeah, I think, and this is a really good time to sort of insert and just remind everyone listening in that the, the burden the burden for change is placed on the leader, effectively the person who has the most power in the room. And there's a, one of the tools that I always give to my employees, to people that I'm working on, is when you are trying to determine the right thing to do, look at the power dynamics in the room. And in this case, when, when something needs to be corrected, there has to be more of like a seismic shift. That responsibility falls on the person in power, the person likely of a majority group, and they're the ones that are responsible for owning that burden of change so that it does not get transmitted usually upon the people that are, are, are carrying the burdens of oppression based on their identity, have not felt safe or included or belonging inside their own workplace. So if in fact we get to a situation where no one's feeling psychologically safe, the leader's responsibility is to address that. I think there's a number of ways that that can be done. Um, I think that there could be an open dialogue about how we can create more safety and more comfort in the room. I think it's really important that people are given an opportunity to share what they might need to feel better. I would also do that in a more private, private and individual level. Sometimes people might not feel comfortable speaking up in front of other employees that are there. Perhaps they even feel psychologically safe with their leader, but maybe not with a peer. And those are all things that the leader should understand and work to address. Perhaps it's more of a coaching that needs to be done across the team and peers because they are not ones that are contributing to the environment. And it has to be, in some ways, equally shared across everyone there. Um, and and um, the, the, the sharing will look a little bit different depending on your identity and especially depending on your power harnessed in that room. Leadership teams with diverse perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences are a proven driver of innovation and can increase an organization's bottom line. At the Norfus Firm, we are uniquely poised to help you fill executive positions through an equitable and inclusive search process. Reach out through thenorfusfirm.com to learn more. Two things really sort of come like mm -hmm. as I'm listening to this conversation that, that are so critical. One, if we think about this, the, the point that Ben was making around um, giving people the opportunity to make mistakes mm -hmm. and the distinction that I think, Ben, you were making was we're talking about, you know, um, genuine kind of like first time mistakes and how you can distinguish that from repeat offenders. Right. Mm -hmm. So and, and then the reality is that if you're not putting yourself out there, um, then you're not getting this opportunity to learn. So I, I love that because it makes me think of um, some of the examples we come up with is, you know, uh, one of our sort of go-to examples, probably because we experience this, is black women's hair. 
And this idea of coming and asking sort of what feel like insulting or examinatory questions, you could go Google if you just spend a little bit of time and you're curious about why one day we have braids and why one day our hair is twisted out and why one day our hair is straight and why one day it's something different. Like there's plenty of information out there. So I think people, if you're like, oh, well, I was just asking, like, I just, I want to get to know the person better there. You got to keep in mind that you're dealing usually with very smart people. And so their immediate thought is, well, did you do any work? Like, <laughs> did you Google it? Right. Um, and so I think that's what, what I, I, I think, Ben, and not to speak for you, what I think you're getting at is that if you're, you got to make some attempt on your own, we talked about this a lot, the self-exploration, the self-learning, the learning about others, right? You're making that effort so that when you're coming, because we don't mind talking about all these things, but it coming from a more genuine space of curiosity, because, hey, look, I have a, I have a black niece and sometimes she stays with us and I've looked at YouTube videos and I've looked at some of the products. Do you mind if I ask you like, you know, what you think of these products and, you know, that type of thing? a lot of us are more likely to be willing to help teach and help you learn mm -hmm. than if you're just like, wait, your hair was, your hair was straight yesterday. Like, why is it like this today? Right. So like, I think that's one really important takeaway, right. Is that there is the genuine being genuine is mm -hmm. like a huge part. What, what were you, I know I you said the authenticity of it. Yeah. Just like what's behind, totally. what's behind the yeah. question or what's behind. And if you make the mistake, I really like where you were going where it's like, okay, but is this just because you're being, like flippant or you're being obtuse or you're being like all these things, or is this a genuine mistake? Right. Like, right. how are right. you, like what's behind that? Right. I think yeah. Ben's going to share something I, with us. What was that? Go okay, ahead. Are you going to share something with us? You look like you wanted to jump in there. Yeah. No. And this is good too. And I think this is a great time to sort of double click on something that I said earlier, because could not agree with what you both were saying more. And um, just to sort of back to this, this room in which power dynamics are at play. If you are someone who has inadvertently offended someone careful not to make the incident about you or careful not to make the learning or the frustration of things changing about you this happens a lot when there's discussion of pronouns and people get defensive and they say things like well gosh like this isn't grammatically correct or like how am i supposed to know and all of this frustration is just about them. It in no way includes the experience of the person that's transitioning, that's non-binary, that's a woman. It's so much about the frustration with, well, I have to change, in this case, very simple, simple, simple things within their lives, the way that they speak. And I just want to sort of bring that back to this isn't about you. You are a critical role in creating a, a, a safer space for these employees. But as soon as you get defensive, as soon as you get frustrated, that's when trust is lost. And that's when you are pushing the burden back onto the individuals who are not feeling included or supported in the workplace already. So I want to I want to ask you, because there's it, we're human, right? So that that frustration, that that uh, I don't want, not anger, definitely frustration or, you know, just what, you know, what is discomfort about it? It's going to show up. Right. So so what is a way? that you can honor that acknowledge that it exists, but not shut people down or not make it about you in those interactions. What are some tips there? I think this one's tough because you're right. You said it, we're human. I mean, we are, we're emotional beings, we're imperfect. Um, I think for me, it's just, it's a consistent reminder and practice of that. Uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, I would, I would offer even therapy here and in a process of introspection 
my journey. Therapy. Y'all need to stop playing. <laughs> Look yourself in the mirror and say, I need to go talk to somebody. I yes. am all about therapy. Please. Thank you, Ben, for yes. bringing up therapy. Please. Please. It's so critical. Therapy. Like, it's just, I, 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 the more that I evolve in this work and the more that I've been doing therapy, like, there's such a connection in around that frustration and, and it's it's this insecurity inside. It's this sort of like fear of being wrong, this pursuit of perfection. And I kind of, I've really fused them in how I think about this work, especially as a leader. And a lot of times like, yeah, like these, these leaders are not doing the introspection. They're not doing the internal work. And that is causing this turmoil inside to be manifested in ways that show up as frustration, of anger, defensiveness. And that really helps me especially, like, remember that it's just not about me. And that is, I've learned that really more through therapy and this individual work that I'm doing inside my mind. And um, yeah, I'm glad that you've talked about therapy before because gosh, like, yes, everyone listening, yes, do it. It's worth it. Invest in it. So, talk, talk to us a little bit about the this idea around self introspection because you are also phenomenal at this. I know I, I big up Shante a lot, but y'all don't really know how dope this lady is. She Aww, really is super you. dope. Thank you. Thank you. Take so, one to no one. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. love, love. <laughs> so, just think because we we harp on this a lot, Ben. That if you don't know yourself, it's very hard to do any of this work. And if you're not pushing yourself and understanding some of your triggers, we actually did an episode on um, Shantae and I had like a whirlwind of international and national travel. And we talked about how travel can sort of the, the main takeaway for me was is open. Even when you think you have an open mind, it can always be expanded. Right. But I think I was able to recognize that because I do a lot of self-work and introspection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Shante, talk a little bit about that, because I think that does contribute to feeling safe is having a sort of being grounded in yourself. Yeah, 100%. The biggest in all the years that we've been doing this work, the, the three things that I think we need to do it well are self-awareness, empathy, and emotional intelligence. And the biggest one that we're lacking in general things, man, are, is the self-awareness. People are not self-aware to a, in enough of a way to have an impact on like the emotional intelligence because you need that to be emotionally intelligent. Right. right? right. So, uh, you know, it's this idea that if you, if you don't know yourself, if you don't know how you, what's going to, what, what's going to come up for you in certain interactions, if you, if you can't pause, even in with having these big emotions within yourself, don't understand what's contributing, like what's raising this up in you. You can't be present one with the other person to be even understand their what's happening in their world. So the self-awareness is key because the goal is to not necessarily to not not have the the emotional response or not have the energetic response like you're going to have them but can you have them in a way that doesn't completely disrupt what's happening or completely shut the other person down mm-hmm. like can you acknowledge it in a way and that takes a lot of work ben is right you lots of therapy lots of introspection that's we do a lot of this work because if you call if you're someone who's called to hold space for other people you can't do it without doing that work. And a lot of leaders, that is part of the job, but they don't get that that is a real big part of their job is holding space for people. Yes. Yes. And, and, Absolutely. and Ben, you made a point, which I was like, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I love it. And the way I would sum it is if you're not getting real feedback about yourself, you should be worried. Right. Hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like how getting feedback can help you feel as a leader safer within yourself? Oh, yeah, this, um, you know, this comes up quite a bit too. you know, some people will say, well, we don't have a diversity and inclusion program or like no one ever talks to me about mistakes that I've been making. So like, it probably means that I'm not. 
and which is definitely not the case. Um, exactly. It's probably something that you should inspect within yourself in that there's something about the way that you lead or the way that you hold space, which doesn't really encourage people to speak up. And as a business leader, you are missing valuable insights into how your team can perform better, how you can interact with your customers better, um, how you can problem solve in different ways that are better long-term for the business. These are things it, that you should be seeking constantly. And if you don't have a culture of feedback, then you certainly don't have a culture of psychological safety. And you're probably not hiring underrepresented individuals. And if you are, they're probably not contributing to their potential. Um, and I think like one way to flip this, if you find that you're struggling with that, there's something really powerful. We talked about this earlier, authenticity and being really authentic about mistakes that you've made or where you're struggling. And I think this just opens up the conversation and people know that you're aware of your mistakes and you know that they're going to happen, but you might not always be aware of when they're happening. And it's really helpful for your team to be clued in that you want that kind of coaching, especially on topics that you might struggle with or areas where you don't understand. It's really helpful to show that you are doing the work to learn and then discuss mistakes that you've made, acknowledge them in the moment. This is really, really important so that you can flip the culture and invite that feedback because you are definitely making mistakes. And it, it's a little ridiculous if you're telling me that you're not. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I think as we gosh, I love the people we find to have these conversations with, because I feel like we would be with Ben. We felt like that when we talked to Ben the yeah. first time, I would be with Ben for, for days. <laughs> but as we just sort of bring it back, you know, Speaking from my own perspective, as a mother and a business owner, I feel like a lot of times I'm supposed to know all the answers, right? So I would say just from a vulnerable space for me, it sometimes feels kind of scary because I'm like, I don't know all the answers. People come to me for answers. My son looks to me to, to guide him. And there are times where I just don't know. And so I am, I have, I picked up the habit of being comfortable with saying, I don't know when I taught SAT classes many moons ago in college and law school, because, you know, we're taught how to teach people the test tricks, but there would be times where students would ask questions that I was like, oh, and I was like, I felt like I would build better credibility by saying, you know, I don't know, but I can work to get you that answer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that piece that goes back to the beginning of, we don't have to know all the answers. And a first step in vulnerability is being okay with saying, I don't know. Um, and, and, and that piece Another thing that I think we take away from this is do, again, let me tell you this all the time. It doesn't even have to be a lot, but five minutes a day, read some articles, do some research, show, as Ben is saying, tell people what you're learning or what you're struggling with, right? I do that a lot with the team where I'm like, you all bring up stuff and I'm like, you know what? Do you, you know, I don't know, but why do you guys go? Like, if you're interested in this and you think we should do something different, please, right. like, come on, let's go. We have our, our, our team meetings and we can talk about it. Do that with my son. He'll tell me, mommy, we don't say that. Even though I'm the DEI, I'm the DEI expert. He's like, mommy, they don't say that anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, thank you for yeah. sharing. Like, and I tell people this, and this goes for leaders too. If you want people to use their voice, you have to be prepared for them to use it with you. X. When I hear people sort of, yeah, my son was disrespectful for sharing an opinion. It's like, that's not fair because you want them to go out to their teachers and their classmates when they, when they feel harmed and, and speak up. So you got to be prepared for them to use it for you. Mm -hmm. The analogy goes for leaders as well. Mm -hmm. If you want people to tell you why a product is not working 
you also have to be okay with them telling you what you're doing that's not working for them, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that's like being receptive to feedback and recognizing people. You know what, Ben? Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I appreciate the feedback. And I will certainly take that into consideration the next time we talk about pronouns, sexual mm-hmm. orientation, or whatever the case may be is, right? Without condition, without the excuse, right? Without the centering. Um, and then the last piece I think on this is that, you know, discomfort and we say it often, but we like to repeat it leads to growth. Yes, it does. So if you're not feeling uncomfortable, just know that you are stalling your own growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it, and that is, you know, again, in, in, in this world, even when you work for for profit, money is important to keeping the things going. Mm-hmm. So if you're not growing, you're not creating that sustainability for, for your organization in the long run. So I think before we go, I would like Ben. If she knows wanna, me. She's about to be like, no, no, we're done. I'm like, we're not done. <laughs> um, I think, you know, just I love at it. least Let's like one, one hours exactly, two more hours. Um, one quick yeah. takeaway from you, if you had to kind of say, this is what I want you all to take away as it relates to psychological safety and how it, how leaders can approach it or create the space for themselves, for others, what would be the main message that you would want to deliver here? I, I love this question. I would say deeply internalize and accept the fact that you will get so many things wrong constantly. There's no way to avoid that. And the way to resolve this avoidance is to do the internal work. Know that you as a leader can't be perfect. And so don't put that expectation on yourself. And I think that that will manifest in different ways too. You'll be more empathetic in different situations. This will really help you connect better with your customers. So I think the one takeaway here is just accept that you're not perfect. And the best way to do that is through the internal work of letting mistakes, authenticity, vulnerability come forward, exhibit that more. Um, because the the better you are at communicating that you're not perfect and not expecting that of yourself or anyone else, that creates such a better environment for that growth and that learning, um, which ultimately contributes to a, an environment of psychological safety. Oh, you see what happened when she interrupted me. We got a jam, got a jewel, a key. I love it. Thank you for doing You're that. You're welcome. Ben. This is why it's a team. Ben, thank you so much for the time. Um, it was incredible. Thank you. thank you all for listening. Don't forget. Like, subscribe, share. Tell your friends. All notifications, all the things. All the things that you're supposed to do online when you like something, do those, I think. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be back. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Here it is. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and leadership. That's the deal when you know what you're dealing with.